Hello to all, and all are welcome. So yes, I have an intro. It just came to me, like, literally a few seconds ago. Um, but, you know, besides the fact that I have an intro, besides the fact that I have an intro, I just put a flag there, um, I'm, I'm telling you that right now, but besides the fact that I have an intro, welcome to night mode. Um, you know, from the first night mode, you know that there are many different subjects in one video. Here, uh, during that night mode, I was allowing myself to type out, uh, you know, some, you know, something that had a deadline. So, uh, yes, this night mode, uh, the kind of separation of ideas will be led by the fact that I still have my notification bar open. I didn't put it on do not disturb. So if I do get distracted and I seem to like change in pitch or whatnot, just know that I may be converting to a new topic and I'll be concluding the one that I'm at. But that's just a matter of uh, paying attention and really listening. So I really do challenge my listeners tonight to see how well you or how long or, you know, just how well you can uh, pay attention to me, you know, uh, if not, it's not, you're not, you're not, this is not a test, it's not a thing, it doesn't, you're not more or less than the other if you can or cannot. It's just, right now we're going to try some of the brain exercises that I mentioned, or I'm going to give you a few brain exercises, some that I talked about in uh, Brain Burnout. In fact, that's actually my less watch or least watch video I, I really would love. Um, for more people to listen to it and give me some feedback on it, you know, because I talk a lot about neuroscience and more of the nervous system and whatnot. So I really want to, want you guys to listen to it. But anyway, some of the things that I'll be talking about today is, you know, exercising the brain and focusing on, you know, information that challenges the brain um, in a way of exercise, so to say. So, uh, I guess my first topic uh, today, you know, is superheroes, right? There's a lot, you know, this actually, this is very perfect, because I actually just read an article not too long ago about some rumors being debunked about Andrew Garfield and uh, Tobey Maguire appearing alongside Tom Holland in Spider-Man 3, the current um a Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man. And uh, I noticed that I myself, I'm a very, very big fan of uh, superheroes. I always have been. I currently, uh, I'm my biggest thing right now is Teen Titans, and I know I'm almost 30 right now. Uh, my biggest thing is Teen Titans, but um, the biggest thing is Teen Titans, and... Uh, Sorry, I had to stop right there. I did put a flag, so I, I might edit that out. But the biggest thing about Teen Titans, or I mean, my biggest superhero group or thing that I like is Teen Titans. I grew up with Teen Titans, regardless. Like, I know I, I told you that about my age or whatnot, or my estimate, but I grew up being a big fan of the Teen Titans. I still am, because they don't get older, but I do. They are immortal. You know what I mean? I do not know what immortality is. I cannot define it. Um, but anyway, going back to superheroes, 
Um, if we think about media and we think about television, everything that's surrounding media is there's everyone pays attention to superhero. There, you know, superheroes. I guess there are people that you can look up to, you can be inspired by, uh, things of that nature. So superheroes, especially during this t- during this time, allow us to find someone that we can attach ourselves to. I think if I had to attach myself to anyone, it would either be the Flash, Spider Man, Doctor Strange, Blue Beetle. Um, Beast Boy, even Terra, Raven, you know what I mean? These are some of the least, I mean, people know who these people are, but I like them because of their, their independence in design. Their characters are so unexpected, you know, for who they are. And forgive me if I use some of the terms and they seem rather derog- or provocative or derogative, I don't want you to think of it as that way. These are just definitions or characteristics in the best way that I can. So we'll start with Raven. Um, so Raven is very well shaped, right? If we speak of that, she has, she has very nice feminine features. You know, we're still speaking a very general aspect, but or um, non-offensive aspect. But Raven has very nice features for a woman. She is uh, designed well. You know, she has curves. And she is, I guess you, I don't know if you would say proud of her curves, but she has a body. You know, they may downplay it in the older version of Teen Titans. They may downplay it in the cartoon, period, because it's her children. But Raven, I guess, is a uh, baddie. You know what I mean? But she is shy, and she's always covering herself with this cape where you can't even see any of that of herself. And she's, at this, she's this absolute beautiful woman now, in my opinion, because Teen Titans, they, have, they grew up in some universe, but they are known still in some universes, the Teen Titans. But um, Raven is absolutely beautiful, right? But she does not want the rest of the world to see that. She doesn't want those around... Um, her to see that and so she covers it up so it's least expected because a lot of times in marvel universes they may you know they they are very expressive look at starfire how she's drawn and this is none of this is offensive but starfire is this very stereotypical bubbly woman that you know she's cute uh she has colored eyes she has this exotic look um and she reveals a lot of skin you know what I mean? Uh, and her skin has this very interesting tint to it. You know what I mean? She plays into another verse, like, you know, a very stereotypical role. A lot of men like exotic women, especially women who show off skin. But Raven could fit into that category, but she doesn't. Or she doesn't want to. So that's Raven. And we move to Beast Boy. This kid, I don't know, but you just like him. I don't know what it is about Beast Boy that makes him so likable, right? He has this uh, very interesting character. Like, he uh, is like a slob, and uh, he eats junk food, and he farts. And just, you know, he's just very beastly, but he is the... I'm sorry, I'm speaking into the phone because I'm getting very passionate about this stuff, but Beast Boy is one of the the most loyal of the Teen Titans. 
If you want a friend in the Teen Titans, Beast Boy is your guy. I tell you, like, any of them, they can be probably be persuaded. Like, if Victor Stone was, you know, offered humanity, like, complete human, human organs. Um, if uh, Robin was offered power. If Raven could get away from her father. If Starfire could return to her planet and uh, capture her sister. Um they may all be persuaded, but Beast Boy, what could you give him? Yes, a lot, but at the end of the day, he, it will be a tough decision for him, but Beast Boy, as in day, will always make the right decision. But he's this beast, and a lot of times when we think about people, men, males who are beastly, we characterize them in such a negative way, and we don't even look at the positive traits because we're so focused on what our eyes interpret or what our eyes tell us to be, because if a guy is uh, unkempt, he has this long hair, and w I'm sorry I said unkempt, but, you know, he has, a, I guess, a, we'll say unkempt, but hopefully you can take it as simply being the definition of, you know, like, not brushed, or not styled, that's what I mean, unkempt, he's not meticulous, he doesn't care about what he looks like, uh, that's a beastly, and usually they're portrayed in media as this very rude guy, you know, or we'll say guy because we're talking about males, but he's this rude guy. He just stinks. Nobody wants to be around him. He has this very sour attitude. As like a, he, ugh, he's like a beast. He belongs with the dogs. You know what I mean? And Beast Boy fits a lot of those characteristics, but he doesn't fit that stereotype because his morale level is very strong. You know what I mean? Um, if you can even point to the fact he can transform into a dog, but he can also transform into a bird. You know, he can also transform into a cat, a bunny, a horse. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, let's even throw a megalodon. One episode, I think Beast Boy transformed into a dinosaur because his genetic capability is to absorb what's in the world around him, what's in his given universe. And in that given universe, he was able to absorb the DNA of prehistoric animals, and he was able to convert to prehistoric animals. And then I think there was one episode when he was able to convert to a demon um, because he was able to absorb the genetic code of uh, hell. You know, so he's a very, very powerful kid that very unreal. I mean, um, uh, kind of low or underrated. There it is. Uh, who else do we have? Uh, um, Tara. I'm going to stop right there because I know I listed a lot before, but uh, I don't want to get too far. I can touch briefly on the other ones, but Tara, she's this uh, very pretty girl. She's lost. And uh, she's easily believable. She's trustworthy. Um, if you look at her drawing, you might understand what I'm trying to get at, but I don't want to insinuate anything because that's not what I, but superheroes are made to attach to a certain agenda or a role or an identity. And this is Tara in some sense, because she's very capable because the first thing that makes Tara Tara is the fact that she is trustworthy. And, uh, I'm not sure. So spoil alert, I would say skip forward two minutes. Let's see if I can get this in two minutes. Um, but skip forward two minutes from 15 seconds from now. Uh, so at 12. So um, she's this uh, very uh, trustworthy person. And her goal, 
was to infiltrate the Teen Titans to deliver information to Slade. Uh, now, Terra has this amazing capability to control Terra. That's her name, Terra, right? But Terracotta. Uh, Terracotta is a word that means Earth, right? And so the beginning of Terra's name almost stands for Terra. You know, the Terra and Terracotta. You know, we use Terracotta for like clay pots or whatnot or clay, but Terracotta is Earth, right? And Terra. And she had this ability to control the Earth, right? And so she did it. And one day, uh, you know, okay, there's a lot of other details, but I don't think they're relevant. But one that I would touch on is that her and Beast Boy come together. And that's where I really start paying attention to uh, Terra because. You know, Beast Boy being Beast Boy, I, I appreciate anyone who is able to treat him kind. And uh, Tara is a good woman. She's just troubled. Or she was a good girl, but she was just troubled. And so she successfully infiltrates the Teen Titans. And finally, she puts the Teen Titans in a trap where Slade ambushes them. See, here's the thing. Tara was very successful at her job because she was able to be believable. Um, and they felt so betrayed by her. You know, how could you trust someone like that who was clearly trustworthy and not actually know that they're not trustworthy? And the Teen Titans are intelligent. And so they were so fooled, right? Okay, so skip, keep skipping forward right now. I'm sorry. Uh, keep skipping forward. Uh, so we'll say skip forward about four more minutes from here. Uh, so she is successful at her job and she gets them on a trap. And, uh, the problem is, is that Tara was always a good person, was always a good person, but she was, you know, like I said, if anybody, Beast Boy was her significant other, but he was extremely loyal, but Tara was the one that was bought out, Right. Uh, I forgot what the offer was or the deal was between her and Slade, but she was successful. She did it. But eventually she started to feel conflicted. And she showed terror. You know what I mean? Now her name changes. It goes from Terracotta to Terra of Terror. You know, very clever play on words. It's a very, a very well-crafted linguistic design. Of her name. You know what I mean? We have a... Uh, uh, from earth to terror. And that just in indicates that we live on this earth. But at any point... You know, especially... Uh, especially with the, the earthquakes and everything that are possible with... You know, at any given moment, the earth could say no more. And that was terror in terror mode. You know, at any moment, Tara could just say no more. And that's kind of what happened. Uh, Tara, in terror, um, decided to be the good guy at the very last minute. You know what I mean? And she raised Earth, and I think she caused Slade to fall to his doom. And she saved the Teen Titans. But in doing so, she turned to stone, right? And that is a tragedy that is well-deserving of cinematics, 
and uh, you know art and whatnot because that is the, that's an ultimate tragedy. You become what you are through the fact that you betrayed yourself all along. It, that's that's a messy phrase, but Tara was always able to control Earth, so she was like you know one with the Earth, and then eventually when she had to use the most of her power. The earth was like, this is kind of scary. Let's take it back from her. But how do we do that? You know? Um, and uh, she did manage to complete a goal, but her immediate, um, you know, pay up was immediate. You know, it was an immediate deduction from her uh, checking account. And unfortunately, I think she withdrew all of her money. You know, that's what happened. And uh, she was embossed in who she was, so she became Stone, one of the strongest versions of her, but permanently her. You know, uh, so yes, that was a very, you know, tragic end for her. And I felt so bad for... Uh, Beast Boy, the one person that could have loved him so purely, you know, became stone. And, you know, I'm not even sure if his heart is not even stone, because as kind as he is, it's very, you know, if we look into psychology, we could understand that that kindness could be a uh, mask to his hurt heart. You know what I mean? To see his loved one in stone... You know, first she protected him, or per, uh, betrayed him, and he was already conflicted. Like, how could my girlfriend betray me? And I loved her, and she loved me, and I know she loves me. Like, what's going on? To sacrificing her life to make sure that I live. That is a battle that your mind will have to sort out for probably the rest of your eternity or your life. You know what I mean? It's tough. Anyway... I hope you were able to notice one key word that I brought in with Tara's explanation, and that was uh, good guy, right? Uh, I purposely used a weak term such as good guy because I want to emphasize it in these coming moments, you know? Um, I definitely want to emphasize, and the reason why I say good guy is because what is the good guy in a superhero movie and what is the bad guy? You know what I mean? This uh, superhero is always this guy that makes just decisions. You know what I mean? And uh, he's depicted as this all-powerful type of never-fail type of guy. Yes, recent um, comics or stories along that line have gotten more into the darker side of superheroes, but nonetheless, we see more prevailing than not. You know, so this is the good guy. And I think uh, Megamind, if you watch Megamind, and you'll understand, the, you know, kind of my explanation from here on out. Um, but this superhero is portrayed as this golden boy. You know what I mean? And this villain is portrayed as this always do bad. Now, like I said, Disney, Marvel, they've all gotten better at telling stories more accurately. And like we see in Maleficent, how she was able to be a good mother. Um, it's the same thing now that they're getting better at telling you superhero story but I want to talk about this before this notion passes away as if it was never a thing 
Um, this is even seen in life. But let's talk about superheroes. So, you know, sometimes you get to a point, if you have a long enough storyline, like a film or a season that, you know, touches on that character's uh, growth um, and development, we might see a point in time where this villain, this evil person, um, starts to do good. You know what I mean? Or they start to consider a life of good. Now, many of you, I can almost guarantee, have not seen this Korean drama. Uh, I can't even remember the name of it right now. I've been trying to think of it, but I saw it on Vicky Rakuten. Um, and uh, it was about an iron monkey and a bull, a pig, an octopus, and they were in human form, right? And they were guardians of the earth of some kind. And this spirit got out, and she became reincarnated into a new form, and she was given a new life, you know. But then, you know, I mean, she was evil, period. Her first introduction into the show was this, like, baddie, like, bad person. Uh, red eyes, long fingernails, um, straight, bone straight, jet black hair, ashley pale skin. You know, this is the Korean drama version of pure sinister evil. Like glamorous and cold, but absolutely powerful. Do not be mistaken type of, you know, power. And so she was introduced as this red haired vixen. You know, and she's evil. Even I was like, ugh. But then, you know, she starts building a relationship with someone. And uh, she starts, you know, considering her actions and being more mindful. And you start to notice her facial expressions used are changing up. And she's softening up a little bit. And then there goes a point in time where, you know, it gets along. And then an accident happens, Right. Um, you know, I'm using very vague terms because I would like you to see it, but uh, she's, uh, there, an accident happens and uh, she almost uh, loses herself. You know what I mean? I'll let you try to figure out what I mean by that when you watch the show, if you watch the show. But, you know, the same thing with, uh, with uh, superheroes or supervillains. You know, the storyline behind the supervillain may be a little bit more... Uh, maybe a lot more deeper than him or her or them being just a very dangerous, violent individual. Bane, Joker with a cane, you know what I mean? Extremely violent versions of themselves. But I want you to look deeper into that because what brought them to that point? Sure, we could say some people were born with great evil, but... You know, at some point, you have to trigger it. Uh, and this is what, Neja, watch the movie. Neja, it's a, it's a movie on Netflix. It's uh, N-E-Z capital H-A. I may have it wrong, but I think it's Neja. Um, demon, uh, uh, Omni-child. Uh, I think I'm saying it right, but no, wait, that's Japan. Omni. Um, I don't know what the, the name Chinese, the, the Mandarin name, I'm going to go ahead, Mandarin or Cantonese, or I think uh, one of my good uh, neighbors in college, 
she had a very unique uh, Chinese language. It was very rare, I think. Uh, but anyway, this was a demon child, said to be evil from the very beginning of its life. Watch the movie. Watch the movie. But, um, but uh, something has to trigger this, uh, this evil. Right? Something has to trigger this evil. Or when, right? Something has to trigger evil. Like if you start doing bad things with someone, this person was always such a good kid, and all of a sudden they're bad. Like the most, the likely response is that something happened to cause this, right? No one just is like that. Um, the same thing with uh, supervillains. What caused Joker to grab a cane? What caused Bane to be Bane? You know? what brought them to this point. And I know that DC films are kind of touching on that now, like how Thanos was given a little bit more dialogue. If you read the comment that you understood him long before this, but Thanos was given a dialogue of, you know, a very fair dialogue of saying, um, you know, he's trying to allocate more resources for the population. And if you think about it in a non-deeply technical way, his points, you could, be, you could do nothing but agree that his points are absolutely fair. Yes, it comes at a great cost, but his explanation you couldn't be angry with. You could choose a different direction, but Thanos' points, it was well, it, it was, you know, what could you deny about it except that you don't agree with it? You know what I mean? That's basically the only thing you can win from Thanos. But there was another argument that said that Thanos could also snap and double the resources. But the universe is already so vast. What would that do? What would that cause? Um, was the shrinkage more uh, livable than a, an expansion? You know? um, and so, yes, these movies are touching more on their softer parts or their more reasoning parts, but they're still villains to some degree. But still, what thought, what, what brought him to that point? Because sometimes I, I wonder that. But then I pay more attention in superhero movies, and I find myself getting so annoyed with the superhero sometimes. And then I'm like, why am I getting annoyed with the superhero? They're only taking care of the bad guy. It's their job to do away with the bad guy. And then I think about other aspects, like, what if the superhero has a self-righteous attitude? What if the superhero is this individual that believes that it's his way, no one else's way, because obviously he's a superhero for a reason, because his thoughts are right and no one else's. And if there's a supervillain, he's a supervillain for a reason. It's because it's who he is. You know, nothing deeper. And sometimes I might find it that these superheroes are actually overstepping a little bit, and they're placing judgment without actually taking the time. They're just coming to save the day but they didn't actually have a conversation with who they're saving. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't know this person, so you know, you're doing away with them, and sure, you're watching it, but only thing you know about this criminal that Superman is beating up is that he was robbing a bank. But do you know that he was probably, he is probably has four kids at home? He probably has a wife on terminally ill, stage four cancer, you know what I mean? And he probably tried everything, working three jobs, and could get no relief. And so he thought the best outlet was robbing a bank. And here is Superman crushing this man because he is saving the day. And then this man, you know what I mean, after Superman accidentally pushes him into a, a thing of acid, he becomes known as Two-Face. I'm not saying that's the actual story of him, but that, that's kind of like what happens. 
you know what I mean? And yeah, you do have control over decisions. You can decide if you want to be the bad guy. But at the same time, we need to take account of all details involved and stop celebrating one side over the other. We need to think about the history of what this person did to get to this point. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, you have to ask, who is the good guy and who is the bad guy? Really? You know what I mean? Is this person so bad because they wanted to feed their family and save his wife? Or is this person so good because he's stopping a bank from losing money? And if we all know, banks can be, well, I don't know if that's the same thing in the Mar or the DC, but banks can be saved. Um, but, you know, Superman just crippled this man. And uh, all he wanted to do was provide for his family. And it's unfortunate, but he wasn't able to do it in his life. And this is what he felt, you know, he, was, he, fall, he fell on dark times. He fell on really constantly. He felt like this was what he had to do. We still have to think, like, no, maybe just try harder. Don't think about robbing a bank. Like, come up with alternatives before you fall on that. And maybe we can consider, like, uh, Superman being, um, or Superman rushing into the scene without actually knowing all the details involved, you know, uh, you know, jumping on an issue before he has all the, you know, information, which can be problematic. But, yeah, that's the question. Um, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? Because we know who's the superhero because the hero saves the day based on what society says is a save. And a villain is the one who changes the day for the worst. And the villain is, and the change of the day is still determined by society. You know what I mean? So, but right now we're asking a moral question or to some sense, who is the bad guy and who is the good guy? Um... I'm going to end it there. Uh, I think that's a, good, that's a good question to conclude with because now you get to think about how that can be seen in life. You know, how do we, how does our early judgment, our early categorization of individuals uh, help them more or less? You know, that's something to consider, especially with everything that's going on right now. How is what we're doing and how we're living affecting our neighbor and the world around us. How can we be better so that um, the world around us is better? So I had a chance to look at some of, uh, I guess, some of my notes for ideas to talk about. Um, but right now, I think I want to take this opportunity to recap on uh, social media. You know, we talked a lot about how social media can affect us. Um, but now I'm kind of wondering, like, how much power we give it, I guess. You know, in other senses. You know, I was thinking of a title I might... I'm going to actually write this down right now because it's something I can talk about later. But um, I didn't block you. I mean, I'm, I, I just blocked you. I'm, I don't hate you. I think you're, So I'll repeat it again. I just blocked you. I don't hate you. And the reason why I, uh, I'm talking right now as I'm writing, um, I, I think the reason why that's important to me is because it's okay to separate yourself from someone without holding on to the negatives. And what I mean by separate, sometimes you, know, you don't really see eye to eye. Right, but you're kind of forced to look at each other. Uh, you're kind of forced to look at each other. In some sense, like you're forced to see each other. Maybe this person is a uh, chronic poster, 
on social media such as Facebook or something and you don't really like the fact that they exist, you know, if we put it so coldly, like you don't really like the fact that they exist, but you're very tolerant, I guess. Um, but we don't even want to say tolerant because you shouldn't feel tolerant of people. You should understand that everyone is different and you are here just as they are here and your disagreement should be, you know, it should allow or should bring you to think more on why you find this person unsettling. Think more about what you are doing or how, like, what's going on inside you that's causing you to feel this way. But here is this person that you don't like exists and you see them posting all the time and uh you know energy speaks very loud and uh so we'll talk about well sorry just i put a marker right there this is what i mean but i'm speaking freestyle i'm talking about what i did but i put a flag right there so i can edit that hopefully i can get that correct but we were at 30 minutes last time you know we're at 32 33 uh but um but like I said, you're, you're, you're here with this person you don't really, like, exist. And uh, energy speaks very loud, but you're doing things like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this, but you're, you're doing things like, uh, I know, I, I'll say what I did before, because I don't know what people are, I don't want people to assume things, but there was this person, I don't know, and I would uh, be very sarcastic for no reason, you know what I mean? Like commenting on their posts, like the first one, um, and just being very sarcastic. You know, to me, that's unnecessary because why do I need to rush to insult someone? Why do I need to rush to make somebody feel bad? Why am I using energy to hurt someone? Why am I pushing myself to hurt someone? And instead of like hurting them, you know what I mean? What else could I do? You know, which is amazing. I'm actually still friends with this person on Facebook because, not because, it was, but I, it, was, it was me. I realized it was my fault because I started thinking like that. There was no reason I said these things. I'm just saying it just because I'm a bully. You know, sorry for that sound. I bumped the chair, but, um, and that sound too, but uh, I'm just a bully. That's kind of like, I'm not a bully, but that was kind of like my reason. Like, I had no reason to do what I did. There was no benefit to either one of us, so I'm just causing problems for what, you know, and I started to think about it, and I was like, and I started asking myself, I was like, could I keep this person in my life and still feel good, or can I do that in a way that, uh, you know, causes no harm to either party, if so, then keep going, if not, then I would like to consider a new route, um, but I was able to agree that this person could stay in my life and do no harm, because in all honesty, uh, she's a very beautiful woman, um, you know what I mean? She is a leader of uh, Sisters um, with Success, very great organization at San Bernardino Valley College. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, she loves to learn. Um, she's a family woman, you know, very strong, very beautiful soul. And I realized that, you know, I was the problem. Uh, so, it, you know, keeping her in my life would do nothing except remind me of how not great I'm doing and I can choose to be that not great person if I wanted to. So I decided I was like, there's no way for me to rush. So now I rush to her uh, post and I talk about how much I appreciate what she shares. And I leave heart reacts instead of laugh reacts. You know what I mean? Uh, be more conscious of how, and I'm starting to realize how much I actually care for this person. You know what I mean? In a way of friendship. 
or whatnot. You know, this is, uh, you know, I, I, in a way, I, I'm very, I, I'm, uh, I'm so inspired by her relentlessness. You know what I mean? Her courageousness. And when I mean courageousness, you know, the, the courage to be a kind person, even though everyone else chooses not to be a kind person to you, that takes strength. And uh, that's, that, that is, it's amazing. So I kept her in my life, but sometimes it doesn't go so well. Sometimes, you know, I, I used to do things where uh, I used to, uh, you know, uh, here, let's not talk about that one. Let's talk about crushes, right? Or not even crushes, um, like, no, we can, we can say crushes, but not, and, and I said, it's, it's okay to have crushes, but I'll, I'll tell you what I did. I used to obsess over this person, and I used to imagine a world with this person. And I don't know why. I think when I look back at it now, my only goal was victory. Could I do it? You know, and could I grab this person's attention who is um, a very attractive, beautiful person, with a very beautiful, you know, mind, and I was, I said, I would take this person for my own. And every single time this person said no, I said, I would try a little bit harder. Eventually it consumed me, and it became too much. And this person uh, blocked me. But then I... Some time passed, a few years passed, actually a lot of years passed, about nine years passed, and uh, I started really considering, you know, everything that was kind of going on. Now, earlier, like, you know, we, we don't really have, you know, a very strong friendship like we did before. It's not a bad thing, but we're not close when we were together in the past, we would, uh, not together, but like in each other's company in the past, um, and very professionally in each other's company, but in the, uh, we would talk about subjects and discuss ideas almost every day. And this was very refreshing to me. And eventually, uh, you know, life happened and uh, our minds separated. And that's okay because we both grew not together, but we both grew. Later in life, we were, we were able to converge and talk about the past in a positive way that is not harmful for one another. But we also understand the boundaries that we have for each other. We don't even have to say boundaries, but we understand who we are to the point where we don't have to be anything that we're not. And so tying back into the title, I didn't block you. I mean, I just blocked you. I don't hate you. That is just more of the line. Like, you don't have to treat every single situation as a bad situation because it's not. You know, it's not a bad situation. It's more just a situation to consider uh, change. Change in the sense that it's okay to grow apart. Yes, the separation at first may hurt, but think that it's okay to say, hey, this person's not right for me. This person may not have my best interest at heart. And you don't have to turn on the other, other person. Maybe you yourself. Maybe you could say, you know what? I'm not the best friend because I've done that myself. I've stepped away from people because I'm a toxic person. You know what I mean? And, or I can be a toxic person. 
on the same way, like have the, have the courage to look into yourself to say, hey, I'm toxic. Maybe it's my fault. You know, maybe it's me. Maybe it's, maybe I'm the problem. You know what I mean? And uh, if you feel like you can stay in a person's life and not cause any more harm, then do so. If not, if you feel like the very presence brings out very bad qualities in yourself, feel free to separate. You know what I mean? It's okay because the last thing you want to do is put yourselves both in an internal debt to one another. You know what I mean? Because that's what's going to happen. You can't, once I, like, you know, as I said a few podcasts in the past, you can't do something in life and not be accountable for it. I don't care who you are. Like, if you step off the cliff, gravity will make you pay for it. You know, immediate transaction. Um, so you can't do things in life and not pay for it. So if you allow your actions to betray the universe and, you know, the, you know making sure balance is kept, if you upset, you know, um, whatnot, it, payment may be sought immediately. Or a close eventually. Or a long eventually. You know, so really think about um, how you, why, and you keep someone in your life, and what do you think may happen if you do keep this person in your life? You know what I mean? Understand who you are. If you understand, you know, if you understand, if you believe yourself to be a good person, truly with everything, if you believe that you've done everything absolutely perfect, you know, and I'm not speaking condescendingly because it's okay to feel like you did everything right. It's it's perfectly normal. Uh, and, you know, in situations, it's very valid and very absolutely correct. But in a situation, if you felt like in this situation, you did absolutely 100% your best effort, then um, the decision is not going to be about you. It's just going to be about you separating from them. Because if you believe that you've been a good person, then you don't have to ask yourself if you're the bad person or the good person. You know, they, you know just really consider yourself in the presence of each other's company what is that doing to you you know what i mean because we want to grow uh fruits not poison so uh back to the you know back once again back to the title and this is, this is you know we're going to conclude it right here for this uh section but uh i didn't block you i mean i just blocked you i did that three times wow i just blocked you I don't hate you. And think more about that. Like, they don't hate you. If someone gets rid of you and they step away from you, stop taking it personal. Right? Stop thinking that, you know, they absolutely hate you, so you have to match them with your level. Like, you're going to start thinking about revenge or how you can get them back or you're going to be sour about it. Don't think about it like that because that's, don't, it's not that deep. It's really not that deep. It's more like, I don't want to step on your foot and I don't want you to step on my foot. Do you mind if I take a step back from you? I don't want to dance so close to you. I don't want to walk so net close to you. I mean, I understand your existence. You, you know, you're free to dance over there. I'm going to dance over here, okay? You know what I mean? That's, that's basically what it is. I mean, there's nothing more than that. Don't take a loss of followers as a bad thing. Like, if a mass people will start following you because you start being you. Don't take it as a bad thing. Take it as, like, now you finally get to have people around you that, that you feel, like, understand you, that you're not, you don't feel like you're pretending. You know what I mean? Don't take uh, a lack of views. Like I mentioned in the other one, like, I had a lot less views on my brain and burnout video 
Uh, but don't take those video, don't take those lack of views as a sense of I'm this way or this person's that way, like bad or good or like these very ultimate, you know, categorization. Think of it more like, um, like for instance, when I have like had less views on that one, I felt like I did well, but maybe there's something I did wrong that I'm overlooking. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm not catching the attention of people around me. These are something that I should feel free to consider, like, what did I do? Because those are the things that I really can control. Because unless you're some grand master puppeteer, someone else's life is honestly not your responsibility. You know what I mean? So you should acknowledge that. Um, so like I said, don't take it personal. These things that occur in social media, they are not you in real life. They are simply constructed through an exchange of making sure that we keep in contact with each other in some way or that we can show off what we're doing in some way. These are very happy mediums, or to some degree. You can be happier. You, you, you could create whatever news you want, but know that these are not, these are simple, these are simply representations of the real world. These aren't actually the real world. So do not connect your heart to the heart of social media. Thank you for listening to that section, and uh, stay tuned. So this one's probably going to be my shortest, and this is also the last section of Night Talks. Um, I'm just going to take this moment to kind of talk about what, um, what I have coming up in future episodes. Um, you know, I've already discussed these things with these individuals, and these are individuals that I've found to be absolutely admirable. They shaped me in some way, you know, to be a better version of myself. And now I really want to have a conversation with them and I want you to hear it because the conversation that I'm choosing to have with them is something that I believe that they've been able to show absolute positive character in. Um, and I really want you guys to witness that in some form. Now the first uh, speaker we have soon or maybe might first i'll figure out how i want to order it but the first speaker that i want to talk about is uh matthew tran you know he will speak to me about uh astrology now i know a lot of people understand that's a very popular subject today you know what i mean it's very uh spoken about it comes up in a lot of conversations sometimes it's the first question asked as seen in cultures, sometimes as a priority or as a very important, essential quality to look for in a person. Um, but what do we really know about astrology? Like, how does it affect our way of life? How much impact does astrology have on us? Can we use it as um, ultimate categorization of who we are, or are there other factors to consider? You know, is our sun sign the only fact? You know what I mean? There are so many topics to touch on, you know, astrology. And with this speaker, based on what I've heard from him so far, it's absolutely, like, incredible. Like, I'm learning a lot already. You know, I'm asking questions and thinking about things I didn't quite think about, you know, or maybe I did think about, but I didn't think anyone else saw on the same page. So this person is very, you know, very passionate about this subject. Um, I'll let him introduce himself. You know, and while he'll get you to see his point of view and astrology, and we'll kind of do like a dialogue method. We'll, you know, kind of have a conversation back and forth. We'll kind of talk about input and what I feel and my experiences in it.
But I really hope you can listen because if you all care about uh, astrology, I really, uh, I really want you to, uh, to you know, pay attention or tune in. The next speaker, I really, you know, this quarantine, this pandemic has me thinking a lot. Because if anything, this quarantine has us kind of trapped in our own thinking. You know what I mean? And sometimes because we have been able to ignore our thoughts in the past because we've had a lot of distractions, uh, being forced to face them can be almost uh, weakening or damning, one may feel. Um, so sometimes they'll do things and it just gets, it just gets more and more problematic and sometimes it gets scary because now we have to get mental health involved. You know what I mean? Now we have to get other factors involved, you know what I mean, to calculate all this stuff that's happening. And these are all the factors that's coming up with, you know, with 2020, you know, there are a lot of heated subjects, very a lot of sensitive subjects. You know, I want to I wanna kind of gloss, I, I don't want to gloss over those. I want to skip over those really quick because to me, they're very touchy and I know that someone needs to talk about them. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have enough information to engage. You know what I mean? And the main reason I don't have enough information is because the way that information is phrased, it is so careless. And uh, I feel like it's capable of so much destruction that's overlooked. You know, unseen destruction. Um, but this interviewer, um, or this interviewee, uh, um, I had a chance to really consider how she was able to stay positive and keep that same smile that I always knew since she had while studying at UCLA. Um, now, um, you know, she's one, uh, you know, she's, she's making a lot of moves right now. Her name is Ayana McKnight. You know, she currently works in uh, photography uh, she works line alongside some well-known celebrities, you know what I mean? One of them is, uh, Gabrielle Union, and another one is Dwayne Wade. She works very close with them, and, you know, she's making so many leaps and bounds. Once again, I'll say her name, because it's, it, it's a name I want you to hear, it's a name I want you to Google, you know, it's a name I want you to start considering putting in your playlist of some sort or, you know, considering she's very talented. In fact, she took, uh, she took, a, she took a few of my photos and I was not disappointed in a single one. And I say that with honesty. But anyways, Ayana will talk about what it means to be, you know, positive uh, during the times of a pandemic. I mostly have the ideas centralized about pursuing a social career. And the reason I say social career, because when you have a career in entertainment industry, like media, whatnot, a lot of times, a good majority of times, it requires you to be around other people. So when the pandemic asked everyone to uh, take a space from each other, to stay at home, or to remain six feet apart, or with masks, you kind of lose what it is and um, what it stands for. And then you start realizing like, why, like, why now? Or why am I now noticing this? Because maybe if you noticed it before, you would have had a chance 
to, uh, I guess, um, grow, learn, figure out how you can make it better in some way. But Ayana will tell us exactly how she was able to do all of this. You know, she'll be able to answer some of those questions. Like, how do you manage to stay so strong and focused amidst, amidst everything that's kind of going on right now? How do you stay so happy and determined? You know, how do you look so radiant? How do you keep such a bright aura when the rest of the world is dark? I'm very excited for you to hear Ayana McKnight. Another um, individual that I have coming up is Dr. Melissa King. Uh, she's currently a professor. Um, she teaches anthropology at a local community college. Very astounding woman. You know, she's... I can't even begin to explain how phenomenal this woman is. You know, from the very first moment that I took a class with her, I actually began college in 2009 when I graduated um, high school. And um, I took a class with her. But during that same year, I believe, I believe uh, I had an accident. I had a very unfortunate event. And Melissa, during that time, she probably doesn't remember, but she was so kind, and she was understanding, and she was very supportive. And the fact, you know, when I brought it up to her in, in, the, in the, again, when I ended up taking her class again, when I decided to return back to school, she didn't remember. So that just tells me that's just who she is. She's just an instinctively kind and genuine person who seeks to bring out the best in everyone. But the conversation that I have about, I mean, that I will be having with her is, and, you know, well, the aim of the conversation is, is it possible to draw a line between uh, anthropology and artificial intelligence? Of course, we can answer yes or maybe no. But with her um, expertise and the knowledge of anthropology and my interest in artificial intelligence, hopefully we can come up with some theoretical representation of how, or theoretical or something that can be conceptualized clearly, but a very clear representation of the line that's actually between anthropology and artificial intelligence. That's a very exciting talk or discussion that I'm looking forward to. You know, I also have, uh, we'll talk about friendships, but these are all subjects that, you know, I'm very excited for you to hear. So if you can just bear with me, even if you decide you want to come back after this season, I would really love it if you can. So I'm thankful that you stayed for this night mode. And guess what? I have a conclusion as well. You're home, you're home, you will hear me rustling some papers, but that's because it's in my notes. Okay, let's see if we can do this. Okay, so yes, I have a conclusion. Goodbye to all, and may all be well. Take care. The take care is actually not a part of the intro, so ignore that. Thank you. Actually, I might keep it. I'm not sure. Anyway, 
Stay tuned. Next episode.